At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey, everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 307 on Now You Know. And we're brought to you by our amazing Patreon patrons. You can help support bringing you independent news every week by heading over to patreon.com slash now you know, and you're going to find some really cool perks there. I think you're going to like them. So we want to thank Birch Living for sponsoring the show. Stop. Hold it right there. Why are we talking about a mattress company on an EV show? Well, why do we talk endlessly about EVs? Because uh, they're good for the planet and they're fun to drive. Yep. And that's why we're talking about Birch. Because they're good for the planet and they're fun to drive? Well, they're good for the planet because Birch makes organic, non-toxic mattresses made right here in the U.S. with four materials sourced straight from nature. Wool, latex, cotton, and steel. And they're fun to drive? Well, like EVs with butts and seats, once you experience a Birch mattress, you're going to see that you were missing something and you know firsthand because you sleep on one. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to tell you more about my experience sleeping on a Birch mattress, but every time I get into bed, I just fall asleep and that, I'm asleep. That didn't happen much before you got a birch though. Yeah. Uh, I used to toss and turn and now I don't know exactly how birch does it, but it's super comfy and supportive. And well, that's great. But how about if the people watching are afraid to try it? What's there to be afraid of? You order on birchliving.com slash now, you know, you get $400 off your mattress plus two free pillows. It arrives rolled up in a box. You take it to your bedroom, open it up and sleep on it for up to a hundred nights. Now, if you don't love it, birch will come and pick it up for free right out of your bedroom. And knowing that I'm sleeping on a mattress that's certified to be good for the planet also helps me sleep at night. If you've been dreaming about a new mattress, don't wait any longer. Use our link birchliving.com slash now you know and you'll get $400 off your Birch mattress plus two free pillows. Those pillows, by the way, are made from recycled plastic bottles. Now, before we start the show, I wanted to mention that Now You Know is expanding. We have more content than ever, and we need to add a new editor to the team. So if you or someone you know is into video editing and would like to join our team, you can live just about anywhere as this job can be done remotely, and the hours are very flexible. If you're interested, you can fill out the quick Google form in the show notes below, and we'll get back to you. All right, on with the show. So I hate to say we told you so. I told you so. But we told you back on November 9th of 2021, this. So this is amazing, okay? The, both of these things, because what we said uh, a couple of years ago was that uh, VW was gonna go out of business. And a lot of people said, no, no, they got Dees, they got Dees. And one man does not a company make. Except maybe. Except for Elon, maybe. But what I'm saying is Volkswagen is a company that extends well beyond Herbert Dees. Yep. And it contains thousands and thousands of other people. All of these people 
have not been making EVs this whole time. Right. It is so much harder for Deese to steer this boat when basically the entire boat wants to mutiny against him. Exactly. I mean, I got to say, I really think Herbert Deese will be leaving VW in the near future. And when he leaves, I think he has a bright future at Tesla. I think they have a desk waiting for him. I think that at Giger Berlin, there's probably already a corner <laughs> office that has his name on the door. And yep. there's a piece of tape over it. And one day they're, and Elon's just going to come over, peel the tape off and call him up, send him a you know, tweet him a little picture. Deese, you want to come work for us? Yeah. And what a day that will be. Oh, yeah. Because what boneheaded idiots are at VW right now mm -hmm. that they have their best hope. Mm -hmm. And they're going, eh, he sucks. This is like if if Princess Leia is like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. But we hate you. Get out of here, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, this is shooting the messenger for sure. We called it. And now it's happening. Herbert Deese is stepping down as chairman and CEO of Volkswagen Group. Deese will be replaced by Porsche CEO Oliver Bloom starting September 1st. Deese worked at Volkswagen since 2015, becoming CEO in 2019. Now, we've always said it that Deese has done a great job leading Volkswagen, kicking and screaming into the electric age. But let's be honest here. Even though the public report is that Deese left due to a mutual agreement, I think we're smart enough to know that Volkswagen's board did not like Deese. Yeah, Deese was shown the door last Thursday by the VW board, which is made up of three groups, uh, Porsche Piche family, which controls most of the shares, the German state of Lower Saxony, and Germany's largest trade union. The big, the big question, question now, now is, is, will Deese be joining Tesla? Yeah, if you remember, when Deese took the top position at VW, he said that he turned down a job offer from Elon. So if that's true, then Elon has shown that he's interested in Deese. Now, I think Deese would make a great addition to Tesla as head of maybe Tesla Europe. He has the knowledge, the leadership skills, the grit to lead Tesla there. Many people are talking about Deese becoming Tesla's CEO. I don't think that's in the cards yet. I mean, for that to happen, there has to be boatloads of trust between him and Elon, and that takes time. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Gwyn Shotwell, the president of SpaceX, Gwyn and Elon work really well together, but that relationship took time. Elon didn't trust her at first, and then his respect for her grew as he saw that she knew her stuff. Well, it's been a fantastic working relationship that allows Elon to focus on the engineering while Shotwell runs the company day to day. For Elon and Deese to have that relationship, I think Deese needs to start as something like maybe senior vice president of Europe or maybe like COO. And then if the trust builds, then maybe in a couple of years, he could become Tesla's CEO. But either way, I think this spells trouble for VW. And if Deese joins Tesla, it could be a great addition to the Tesla team. So what do you think? Comment down below. Now, I want to discuss why VW said they got rid of Deese. Mm. They said it was due to the software problems. Remember, uh, a lot of the cars were needing updates and you had to bring them into the dealerships. Mm. And so it created a big customer snafu. I don't think that was the reason. I think the main reason was the Porsche Piche family did not like Deese. They never really did. And they really do like Bloom. He's been there since 1994. He's a real company corporate kind of guy. Yeah. And I mean, Deese was really rocking the boat with this whole electrification stuff. Like he's right. really pushing hard for it. You know, there was that meeting that happened earlier where like Deese was like sitting down with the VW board and like basically discussing like the future of the company. Well, and also, I don't think VW liked the fact that he brought Elon in on some meetings with managers like that was a no go. <laughs> I think so, too. Um, and also this argument about software. Well, Holmar's catalog asked Elon about that. He said thoughts on Volkswagen letting Deese go. And Elon said software is the key to the future. So is that a dig on Deese? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's actually just a kind of placeholder statement. 
that doesn't mean a whole lot. I think if Elon were to say something like, welcome Dees to Tesla, that would mean that, you know, the whole world would know what's going on. I don't think anyone knows exactly what's going on right now. I think Dees is on vacation. He's going to probably just mellow out for a couple months, think about his options. I wouldn't be surprised if Tesla is making an offer, but you don't in a negotiation want to let your hands be known. So you don't want to say like, we want you badly. Mm -hmm. So I think this is just what he said. And to the point about software, look, he became CEO in 2019. You cannot turn around software from 2019 to 2022. I just don't think that that's the reason why they got rid of them. I, no, it's a really good point. I mean, software takes time and it kind of takes a really good team and you have to build that team over time. And that's why it takes time. Well, and Brett Winton from ARK Invest agrees. He said, Deese out at VW, not so much due to the group's ongoing software issues, but for attributing some of the software blame to Audi and Porsche's software customization requests. A sure sign that the software issues will magically resolve with the change in leadership. Hmm. And Elon tweeted to that, Ferdinand Peach had 13 kids. And Elon went on to say, self-driving electric cars will be all that matters. Gas car without autonomy will be like riding a horse and using a flip phone. That still happens, but it's niche. And like we always point out, this is what happened back in the turn of the century. Automobiles took over from horses. That's what's going to happen with electric cars. According to a Twitter post from John Harris, Tesla has applied for a permit in Danvers, Massachusetts to install a new supercharger location. And on the plan, it appears to have filed for a new supercharger design, which he says suggests version four sites are on the way. Now, I feel like we saw this recently on a community mail time. Someone sent us a picture of what were different looking, these basically, mm -hmm. uh, superchargers. Superchargers have been evolving from the boxier version one and twos that maxed out at 150 kilowatts to the version threes that we see today that put out 250 kilowatts. Of course, there's also these smaller urban superchargers that max out at 72 kilowatts. If this alternative Tesla supercharger post is indeed going to put out even more power, it could be the 300, 350 kilowatt upgrade that we heard about during one of Tesla's earnings calls. So Danvers Mass, that's not far from us. We should definitely check it out when it goes online. Although I'm not sure how we're going to be able to tell how much juice it puts out. Just plug stuff into it. <laughs> I'll bring my multimeter. <laughs> Don't try that at home, kids. So you know when you drive from, say, the U.S. to Canada or Mexico to the U.S., uh, wouldn't it be nice if instead of having to wait in those long lines, if instead you had your very own lane? Yeah, I mean, one of the last times we visited Montreal, we had to wait like in an hour's traffic each side of the border just to get through customs. Well, Tesla has solved the problem by doing just that. The state of Nuevo Leon in Mexico has granted Tesla its very own border lane. According to Ivan Rivas, the economy minister of Nuevo Leon, he said that this incentive was awarded to Tesla, saying it was a simple incentive. What we want is a crossing that's much more expedited and efficient. And maybe there will be a lane for other companies in the future like there is for Tesla. Awesome. All right. I'm going to Mexico. No, no, it's not for you and your Tesla. It's for. But I have a Tesla. Right, right, right. I see the confusion. It's for Tesla uh, trucks like carrying supplies. Well, we're going to get the semi truck soon. Well, that might work. I don't know. But but you and your Tesla Model 3 cannot use that lane. It, yeah, no, it's for Tesla supplies. Okay, so Tesla, when they're importing and exporting right. stuff. Right. Okay, so yes. it's not for me. For you. No. But now I'm not, I'm not like totally up on my Mexican states. Where is Nuevo Leon? Class, open your geography textbooks to page 112. This is the Mexican state of Nuevo Leon. And as you can see, it is this little nine mile border with Texas. All right, so we got this lane. How much time is this going to save? 
I mean, I don't know. I've been trying to do the math on it, but I don't know enough of the factors. Uh, if you assume like a 10 to 20 minute wait each way, Tesla has a bunch of suppliers in Mexico in the state, including Taiwan's Enflex Corporation and Quanta Computer, the French firm Farisia SE and Germany's ZF Frederikshafen AG and APG Mexico. So border crossings become huge inefficiencies if you've got truck after truck going back and forth between them. And could this also confirm reports of Tesla looking for potential factory sites in Mexico? I mean, we hear that news report a lot. We don't have any confirmation of it. That's why we haven't reported any factual things. But we hear Tesla is looking for a Mexican factory site, which makes sense. But it wouldn't hurt to be extra nice to Tesla if they may end up citing a factory in your state. So pretty smart of Nuevo Leon to be like, yeah, we'll give you a lane. I mean, mm -hmm. what does that cost them? And I mean, comment below if you know more about this than I do in mm -hmm. terms of how many trucks and how long it takes at the border. Maybe you're a truck driver that does this. Yeah. Because I'd love to do some math to see how much efficiency this frees up. And if you just take one second and hit the like button, I know I don't like that YouTube gave you a job to do as well. I, know, I thought right? that we were the people supposed to be doing the job, but if you just hit the like button, it would help us out tremendously. So I have a trip planned. I'm going to be visiting Arkimoto out in Eugene, Oregon next week. Don't worry. I won't be missing any Tesla time news as I'm leaving right after we record next week and then coming back right before. So what do you have planned? Well, Mark Fronmeyer, Arkimoto CEO, says he'll be rolling out the green carpet for me. So I'm excited to check out their new factory digs as well as some of their newest products and updates. Hopefully, I'll get to ride the Mean Lean Machine version 4. Have mm. you seen this? Check this out. Yes. Uh, and maybe even get to check out their new torque vectoring update to the FUV. Remember when you were driving it, you're like, at slower speeds, it would be nice if it could turn uh, easier. easier. Yeah. And then Sandy Monroe came along, and I think he helped them figure out how to do that. Yeah. So... That's cool, but uh, I'm not sure exactly what torque vectoring is. I just know that it's going to feel cool. I think that essentially it's going to be able to detect that you're trying to turn and then use the motors to actually oh. roll forward. Kind of like almost like a little bit like a tank turn. Yeah. Like like just a little bit, but it basically just helps steer the wheels in the direction that you want to. Yes. Uh, so, turn. I mean, I'll be reporting on that. So comment below what questions you have for Mark and the team and also what you'd like me to check out while I'm there. I'm also going to be driving around Eugene in an FUV. Thank you, Mark. Uh, so if you're in town in Eugene, please stop and say hello. That's so fun. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm curious uh, if the mean lean machine, I know that it Tilts, obviously, because yeah. um, the lean machine. Right. Um, but I'm wondering if it like does it weeble and wobble, but it doesn't fall mm, down. Yeah. That's, that's a big question for me. Yeah. No, I want to find out more about that. All like right. center of gravity. How does it feel? So wear a helmet. OK, don't don't okay. hurt yourself or anything, right. but right. I am curious. All right. So there's not too much more news on the Elon Twitter lawsuit, although it won't stop many news agencies from pontificating about it until the cows come home. Here's the skinny. Elon's legal team wanted to have the trial in early to mid 2023. Twitter pushed for September and the court has scheduled it for late to mid October. And that's basically it. That's all the actual news. I don't want to stress you out with the harrowing back and forth lawyer talk. I mean, the reason that Elon's team wanted to hold it later was so that they could do more discovery and prove that Twitter lied. And Twitter wants to get this over with because they're hurting financially. Yeah. And also because uh, this is actually in the court of public opinion that this, this trial is going on because True. Elon has 100 million followers and he can tweet things out. So there's a good chance that they'll settle this before the trial. But uh, anyway, just wanted to give you the the latest little update and let's move on. So Rivian just announced that their Amazon delivery vans will be delivering packages in 100 cities by the end of this year, including Baltimore, Chicago, Dallas, Kansas City, Nashville, Phoenix, San Diego, Seattle, St. Louis, and many other cities like mine. You have a city? Well, in city skylines. <laughs> That's not a real city. 
The city of Springwood is a thriving metropolis and a wonderful place to live. Um, by the way, did you know that the Rivian van is called the EDV 700? No, I didn't. Not How fine. many have they made anyway? Well, they're looking to have 100,000 of them on the road by 2030. No, like today. How many are there? Well, that is the important question. There should be thousands on the road by the end of this year. Um, I'm going to guess that they have maybe low hundreds uh you know, produced by this point. I mean, our viewers have sent us in pictures of them on the road. So, I mean, hopefully we'll start seeing more. And if you're out there and you spot any in the wild, snap some pictures, send them to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Speaking of trucks, remember that Tesla semi-truck was being painted at GigaFest back in April. Well, it's been spotted driving westbound near Colfax, California. Oh, that's like halfway between Tesla's California operations in Lathrop and Fremont and Sparks, Nevada, where Gigafactory Nevada is located. And, you know, we were at Tesla's semi-launch back in 2017, and it was so exciting because at the time, Elon said that Tesla semi would be starting deliveries in 2019. So if you order now, get the part, the truck in two years. We even placed our order that night, so we are high up on the list for the semi, but it has been repeatedly delayed. Uh, now we're told that Tesla semi will be starting deliveries next year. That's a four-year delay. <laughs> But look, I'm still super excited. This may be a big delay, but it's going to be a game changer, and I just know it. And it's cool to see that beautiful custom paint job on the Tesla Semi as they continue to test it under real-world conditions, gathering data that I'm sure is going to make the final production Semi even better. In 2015, Tesla hired a former F1 veteran, Kenny Handcammer, to lead new service programs as Global Director of Service Innovation. Kenny put in place F1-inspired fast lanes at service centers to reduce customer wait times. Unfortunately, in 2017, Handcammer left for Lucid, where he is now in charge of global technical services and operations. So it wasn't much of a surprise when Elon tweeted out this last week. Excited to work with Tesla Service to enable same-hour service as often as possible, applying Formula One pit crew techniques to Teslas. Elon had a company-wide meeting right after he tweeted this, where he said, I think we still have a relatively conventional approach to servicing, although we kind of use the vehicle app, so we definitely have better servicing than the rest of the industry, but I really want Tesla to look at how we can revolutionize service, and I don't know, make it like 10 times better than the rest of the industry. Now, what I want to point out is right after he tweeted this, at Troy Teslike, who we like a lot on the show, put out some data that I think is really useful. He tweeted this, Elon, my survey shows Teslas that needed service in the first 30 days of ownership were this. More quality control is needed. Please monitor data like this instead of gimmicks. So let's take a deeper look at his data about the first 30 days of Model 3 ownership. So it shows that the Model 3 owners who took delivery in 2018 had way less service visits than Model 3 owners who took delivery in Q1 of 2022. Or conversely, there were way more Model 3 owners this year that needed service on their cars than ever before. And this is by percentage. This isn't just because there are more Model right, 3s. Right. And this means that Tesla either needs to start building higher quality cars or they need more service bays or they need faster turnaround times. I would argue all three should be the goal. But what do you think? Uh, put it down in the comments below. Do you have any experience with Tesla service and what was that like? And we're doing an in-depth on Tesla service right now where we're using use the guinea pig uh, with your Tesla service issues. And it's out of warranty, so we get to see those scary, scary prices. So make sure you subscribe so you get notifications when that episode comes out. All right, so according to Bloomberg last week, Ford's Blue Division plans to cut 8,000 salaried positions primarily in the U.S. Ford's Blue division? Is that the, the division that focuses on cars that are painted blue? No, uh, that it's Ford's new internal combustion engine division. Basically, you can think of it as old Ford making the gas cars they've always made. Oh, so maybe they should just call it Ford's brown division. Good one. <laughs> 
Good one. Uh, yeah, Ford is currently not profitable with both their combustion and EV models. They say that's due to supply chain issues, so Ford wants to get leaner. And by the way, Ford's sales in the U.S. were down over 16% in Q1 year over year. Oof, and only 6,700 Mach-E sales. Uh, but I have a question. If you're not profitable on either combustion or EV, then shouldn't you be focused on making and selling more vehicles, not less? And don't you need more employees to do that? Not less? Well, you don't need this guy, for instance. All right, Harold, we're going to have to let you go. The bean counters have determined that it will save Ford money to have customers pull the clear tape off their cars by themselves. <sighs> I, I just think that that could lead to problems. Ah, uh, yes. Hello, uh, Ford Service. Yes. I was pulling the clear tape off my new Ford F-150 and, well, I'm having some problems. Oh, happy to help. Uh, we've been getting a lot of these calls, so we developed a checklist. Uh, number one, did you put the car in park first? Oh, that might have been it. See, the truck was moving. It did seem rather difficult to do. Yep, it's almost always number one. But seriously, this is what the beginning of the end looks like. Ford has divided itself into two divisions, and now they're cutting their ICE division employees way back. Guess what's coming next? But hang on. Hang on. Maybe the reason Ford split the divisions and is cutting back the uh, Ford Blue is because their Model E division is going to crush it. Ford just announced on Thursday that they were able to supply 60 gigawatt hours of battery supply. That sounds good, but what does that mean? Well, Ford announced building on strong demand for its new EVs. Ford today announced a series of initiatives for sourcing battery capacity and raw materials that light a clear path to reach its targeted annual run rate of 600,000 electric vehicles by late 2023 and more than 2 million by the end of 2026. So 600,000 EVs annual run rate by the end of 2023. That's pretty good, right? And look at which cars they're gonna be selling. I mean, Mach-E's, the Lightning, uh, the transit in America and Europe, and there's a, 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 a hidden one, the 30,000 in, in Europe. Right, except for Tesla. So Ford is planning a run rate of 600,000 by late 2023 versus Tesla, which on their earnings call showed 1.9 million run rate by later this year. That's 1.3 million more EVs per year, one year before Ford. And Ford said in their press release that they wouldn't hit 2 million until 2026. Can you imagine how far ahead Tesla will be by 2026? I mean, that's a good point. Remember that Tesla announced Giga Texas in mid-2020, and just two years later, they're beginning to do a serious ramp up. Yeah, right. And by the end of this year, they will be three years ahead of Ford by Ford's own admission. <laughs> and that's with two of their factories still not even producing half of what they will. But hey. Maybe 150,000 Ford Lightnings will save them, or maybe it won't. And hey, if you want to talk about electric trucks, head on over to Cybertruck Owners Club. They help support this show. And you're going to be able to check out their website for Cybertruck news, discussions, and community for Cybertruck enthusiasts and future owners. There you'll find a crowdsource reservation tracker that you can update so you can find your place in line. It's a bike. It's a scooter. No, it's a jackrabbit. Yeah, kind of a weird one Ethan reviewed recently. This is a tiny e-bike with no pedals that fits in my trunk. Yeah, it folds up really small. I haven't seen anything else like this on the market, but I think Ethan tested it out a bit better than me. And you can check that out over on the Now Let's Review channel where we review tons of e-mobility devices. Uh, if you haven't already gone over there and subscribed, please do because that is where you're gonna get to see 
all sorts of cool things like uh, we're getting the Sondor's Metacycle. And we've uh, got a Talaria dirt bike. That, oh my uh, God, that looks like so much fun. You're going to want to check that out too. So Chevy unveiled the 2024 Chevy Blazer EV in Canada last week. Yeah, estimated range will be 515 kilometers or 320 miles for the biggest battery models. It's going to be available in front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, and all-wheel drive configurations, which right. I don't think I've seen before. Every flavor you could want. Yeah, oh, uh, and four different trim levels. And there will be a... PPV. What's that? A police pursuit vehicle available for police fleets. Do police normally use the Chevy Blazer as their police vehicle? Um, I don't know. Like, I think they did back in the 90s or something. I don't but, know. Uh, the crossover will have 11.5 kilowatts of AC level two charging, and it'll have DC fast charging up to 190 kilowatts. That's not bad, but it's not great. The Blazer EV SS will be all wheel drive and offer. Wow. What's wow? I'm sorry. Wide open watts mode oh, for okay. uh, zero to 60 in less than four seconds with 557 horsepower and 648 foot pounds of torque. I thought it was the like Owen Wilson wow. mode. It, that wouldn't wow. be bad. That wouldn't be bad. It'd be cool if you hit the button and it did that. Uh, 17.7 inch diagonal color touchscreen and an 11 inch driver info center. So if you're wondering when it's going on sale and what it'll cost, well, so first of all, it's going on sale in Canada first. Uh, isn't that weird? Uh, 2024 Chevy Blazer EV 2LT and the RS trim levels will go on sale in mid-2023 in Canada, starting at 56.5 Canadian, which is 43.8 US, mm. and 61.2 Canadian, 47.5 US, respectively. The SS will go on sale in late 2023 at uh, 81,000 Canadian. That's about 62.7 US. And the cheapest model, the 1LT, will go on sale in early 2024, starting at 52,000 Canadian. That's $40,257. And you know, uh, Chevy put out this really great marketing video, <laughs> and I want to play that on Patreon bonus story because I love the marketing speak, and I think you can't miss that because um, marketing speak is just so wonderful. Yeah, and I'd love to play it here, but they could just take our video down if they right. don't like what we say. So, so we'll play it over there. Yeah. All right, how about this story? For a new section I'm calling, I'm so mad about this, I can't see straight. <laughs> a new analysis by Professor Aviel Verbruggen, an energy and environmental economist at the University of Antwerp in Belgium, claims that the oil and gas industry has had $2.8 billion per day in profit for the last 50 years. Let's say that again. $2.8 billion dollars every day for the last 50 years. Now, if you're thinking that he just like wrote out some numbers on a napkin, no, he based his research on data from the World Bank and says that the $52 trillion in profits since 1970 is a huge amount of money. You can buy every politician, every system with all this money, and I think this happened. It protects producers from political interference that may limit their activities. Three experts at University College London, the London School of Economics, and think tank Carbon Tracker confirmed the analysis as accurate with one calling the total a staggering number. Now, in case you're wondering, here's a chart showing how much profit they made every year. And if you're wondering what the scale on the left is, that's in trillions of dollars. And we talked about this before, right? But it's still happening, so why not mention it? According to the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, the fossil fuel industry 
gets $16 billion per day in government subsidies. Professor Verbruggen says that if oil and gas could be freely supplied to the market instead of the rents being kept high by restricting supply, oil would cost between $20 to $30 a barrel today instead of about $100 a barrel. Mark Campanell at Carbon Tracker said, not only is the scale of these rents eye-watering, but it is salient to note that in the midst of a cost of living crisis caused by record oil and gas prices, this flow of money to a relatively small number of petrostates and energy companies is set to double this year. Shifting to a carbon neutral energy system based on renewables is the only way to end this madness. And I just want to talk for a minute about two point eight billion dollars a day. Um, and that's profit. And and what the professor said, where he thinks that basically governments and systems have been bought out with this money. And I just want to talk about, you know, you hear all this stuff that's like anti renewable energy and, you know, anti electric cars and stuff like that. And people are going like, well, but like, why would these people be coming up with this stuff if it wasn't true? I don't know. Maybe it's because $2.8 billion a day. Oh, you, you just have to take a little sliver of that. Mm -hmm. uh, just again, it's per day. You just take a little sliver of that and put it into, hey, uh, bullshit department. Mm -hmm. Here you go. Here's another millions of dollars. Why don't you come up with some study that says that electric cars are bad or that we're going to run out of lithium or that we're going to all of the that you hear. Mm -hmm. Where do you think it comes from? Mm -hmm. Where do you think it comes from? Just and, and so when your friend, you know, comes to you and is like, well, did you hear that report? Who did you, you hear about this? Did you hear about that? You go, yeah, if I had two point eight billion dollars a day. There'd be all sorts of stuff about the people that I don't like. Think about how many Ford ads you see in a year. <laughs> they spend about $4 billion in a year on ads. If you got $2.8 billion a day to play with, that shows why they can do this. They can put out so much crap everywhere. And and they can just, you know, oh, you want, because what does everyone want? Oh, you want some money? Oh, well, yeah. why didn't you say so? Here's some money. All the money you need. Yep. Profit. That's profit. Profit. $2.8 billion in profit every day. And okay, we have to move on. We have to move on. And that fits into this next story. <laughs> okay, yeah. So we told you to get loud and make your voice heard to Postmaster DeJoy about the fact that the US Post Office was only going to replace its aging fleet of gas-powered vehicles with mainly gas-powered vehicles. And it would seem that our voices are being heard. Yeah, in addition to letters from the White House and the EPA, there have been several lawsuits against the U.S. Post Office. And so now, according to Reuters late last week, the U.S. Post Office has announced that it will up its order of electric vehicles from the piddly 10,000 back in March to now 25,000. Britt Carmen, federal clean vehicle senior advocate at the Natural Resources Defense Council, said the USPS finally got the message that cleaner vehicles are a win all around. Investing in more electric vehicles will deliver cost savings for the Postal Service, cleaner air for communities across the nation, and lower emissions for all of us. This change pushes the envelope in the right direction, but it's also not nearly enough. To save money and protect our health, the Postal Service should go much further and electrify most of its fleet. As time goes on and the costs of these vehicles continue to fall, we fully expect that the USPS will eventually increase the number of electric vehicles it buys. So now 40% of the USPS will be EVs. But look, we can do better, people. Get on the Twitters and the Facebooks and the emails and talk to people about, you know, hey, so 
I mean, it's nice that mail trucks drive around all over the place. You can point to them and go like, do you know that was made back in the 80s? And do you know that that, you know, gets six miles per gallon? People will be like, what? And you're like, yeah, six miles per gallon. We're paying for it. Can you believe that? Yeah, we should switch to EVs. Well, why should we switch to EVs? Because it's going to be cheaper. And because the new ICE vehicles that the U.S. Post Office wants to replace them with get barely any better gas mileage than the old ones. Right, eight miles per gallon. That's right. another great, you know, oh, did you know that the, the new ones are going to get eight? And look, if you want to share the story with your friends, but you don't want to share the entire episode, uh, head on over to our Now You Know Clips channel where we chop these into little bite-sized pieces that you can share easily. So 12 years ago, GM and Toyota sold what was then its Numi factory in Fremont, California to Tesla for $42 million. That's right. A 5.5 million square foot factory and 370 acres of land for $42 million in 2010. Fast forward to today, and Tesla just announced that they produced their two millionth electric vehicle at Fremont. From the Model S to the X, to the 3 to the Y, two million Teslas have been produced at a factory that Tesla bought for a song. What a brilliant business move that was. And just to rub it in a little bit more, Tesla is now on track to produce 650,000 cars per year at Fremont, blowing away GM and Toyota at their peak. Because even at its peak of production under the GM-Toyota partnership in 2006, the Numi factory only made 428,633 vehicles in a year. Who would have thought in 2006 that three-year-old Tesla would, 16 years later, be producing over 200,000 cars a year more at Fremont and be the most valuable auto company in the world? More than all other auto companies combined. Now, if you remember in Q1, Tesla was going to only be able to make 600,000 cars per year. In Q2, we saw in the report they've upped that. So they're increasing efficiencies all the time. And they said in the report, our Fremont factory made a record number of vehicles in Q2. We see opportunities for further production rate improvements. So, I mean, they're not even stopping. Right. And if you think about it, uh, a lot of the lines at Fremont have not even been updated to having the Gigapress. Right. So that could be a big improvement. So if you've been waiting for a solar roof, I hate to say it, but uh, get ready to keep waiting. Yeah. Earlier this month, Electrek reported that Tesla deployed 2.5 megawatts of solar roofs during the second quarter of 2022, or about 23 roofs per week. Now, Electrek is reporting that Tesla has paused scheduling of solar roof installation in all markets in the U.S., which is, of course, the only country where Tesla is installing solar roofs. So we're not sure why this is. It could be because they're running out of solar roof tiles. Although it could be that Tesla is working on a fourth version of the Tesla roof. I mean, the latest one they've been installing is the version three. It's not out of the question for version four to be on the horizon, right? Yeah, I mean, we don't know what the holdup is. It could be that. Maybe it's a new spray-on roof or something. <laughs> um, no, you, you bring up a good point. I mean, they're continually iterating. And if you've just come up with a newer version, then you probably want to stop and pause until you produce more of that. That could be it. Could also be that they're having trouble training uh, roof providers. Or, yeah, or again, it could just be production. We, yeah. we don't know. It's too bad because I do think that this product... Um, Super high demand. Super high demand because it's going to look better than regular solar panels, which I don't have a problem with. But I think that a lot of people or one person in the couple is going to go, I don't like the look of them. Right. So, no. All right, it's time for Into the Future, sponsored by our friends at Henson Shaving. I want to thank Henson for my fresh shave this morning. Nice. And uh, you can get 100 free blades if you use the code now you know at checkout at HensonShaving.com. So take Swedish-based Northvolt, which is the VW-backed battery company, and Stora Enso in Finland, one of the largest private forest owners in the world, and what do you get? Uh, batteries and lumber. 
um, wood cabins with power walls. That's a good guess. But no, you get wood-based batteries. What? Northvolt says they can use lignin, which is a plant-derived polymer found in the cell walls of dry land plants. Basically, you can find this in trees. Uh, they can use that in the anode of the lithium ion batteries that they're making. According to Northvolt, trees are made up of 20 to 30% lignin. And so Storsa Enzo would provide lignode, which is the lignin anode material to Northvolt, which would come from their sustainably managed forests. Wait, so typically graphite is the material used in the negative electrode, right? Right. But Northvolt says that the aim is to develop the world's first industrialized battery featuring an anode sourced entirely from European raw materials. So if I remember correctly, Northvolt has started commercial deliveries of batteries to its European customers like Volvo, BMW, and Volkswagen from its ET factory. Yeah, Northvolt says it has $55 billion in contracts right now. And I want to get into this a little bit deeper and its implications as a Now You Know Patreon Investor Club bonus story this week. So join us over there where we're going to talk about what this really means. Mm. All right, it's time for Going Green. And we're brought to you by EcoWare. And you know, I'm wearing a recycled plastic bottle shirt. It looks just like a regular shirt. Zach. And it feels like it too, doesn't it? But it's actually made up of uh, plastic bottles too. That's awesome. And it's completely carbon offset with our friends at the Eden Reforestation Project. Yep. And it's also carbon negative because we plant a few more trees for every order. And we help cap methane spewing abandoned oil wells with the Well Done Foundation. So you can find uh, the shirts that we're wearing over on ecoware.us. And you can start positive conversations today with carbon negative products. So according to Colonel Mario Rios-Lombrada at the National Transit Directorate, Cuba now has 300,000 electric scooters on the island. Now, to put this in perspective, there are an estimated 500,000 cars. Wait, so why so many electric motorcycles? Well, first of all, the Cuban government started allowing them to be imported a few years ago, and now gas-powered motorcycles can no longer be imported. Secondly, they're way cheaper. As Alejandro Vasallo, who's 23, who rides a motorina, as they're called, says, fuel is a lost cause. You have to look for it and queue up. And right now, having an electric motorcycle here is life itself. And Cuba is facing fuel supply shortages because of difficulties in Venezuela and U.S. sanctions. Ramses Montez Casadilla, the strategy director of the Ministry of Energy and Mines, says electricity will always be cheaper than diesel fuel and gasoline. And in addition, electric motors are much more efficient than combustion engines. You can save up to 70 percent of the cost of fuel. So these motorinas cost between three to five thousand dollars and they're super popular now in Cuba. Didn't we just do an in-depth where we talked about this almost exact Exactly. Thing? And uh, I don't know. I think that this is going to be insanely popular in the future. Of course, we're seeing a little bit into the future through Cuba, which is kind of a precursor because of all of these sanctions and stuff like that. But uh it shows that people like them. Yeah, especially in a climate where they make sense. Like I understand New England, you don't get to ride one of these all year long. It's probably more of like a eight month ride, right? Before sure. it gets too cold. But in Cuba, like it's nice all the <laughs> Every time. Every day. So, <laughs> makes sense. And I mean, the other thing here is you can charge these at home. So a lot of people are like, yeah, but what's the charging infrastructure? Well, if you have a plug at home, then you're good. And you could probably charge it with a solar panel. Exactly. And speaking of solar panels, it's time for sunspots. In February of this year, Russia launched its invasion into Ukraine. Soon after, a Ukrainian woman tech entrepreneur, Karolina Atspodina, founded We Do Solar, a startup company that makes these vertical hanging solar panels that you can attach to your balcony railings with weatherproof straps. The company says that they have received thousands of orders so far. And if we need reminding why households need to become energy independent in Europe, 
It's because Russia was the major supplier of natural gas in many European countries. For instance, Russia supplied 65% of Germany's natural gas in 2021. We Do Solar claims its products can reduce a household's CO2 footprint by up to 600 kilograms and reduce electricity bills by up to 25% per year. These solar panels weigh just one kilogram each and plug into a standard power socket. Now, you might be saying, why would you plug a solar panel into a wall socket? Well, we do solar's microinverters push the panel's power onto the home's electrical grid. So eight panels cost 1,299 euro. And if you're an EV owner in Germany, listen to this. You can rent the panels for free in exchange for CO2 certificates. Wow. Yeah, these German CO2 certificates are then bundled and sold to oil companies, which are obliged to buy them on a yearly basis. It's called the THG quota in Germany. Founder Atspodina says, solar energy is both free and readily available. Existing solar panel solutions are either intended for industrial use or are too heavy to install without the assistance of a qualified technical team. You also have to wait for the monthly bill to determine the effect. We provide a tool that every person, both owner and tenant, could use at home on a daily basis to power home appliances. We want to make sustainable energy accessible, and I see great potential in people taking their energy dependence into their own hands. She said, while being in Portugal in 2021, I had a few clients in the solar industry, which showed how big the market was, but also proved how unskilled the older companies are in marketing solar to the market. I had a clear understanding that solar can be used pretty much on most surfaces and came up with Balcony Solar, a simple solution which is easy to mount and take with you if you move apartments, for example. And uh, we're reaching out to We Do Solar because I want to check this out um, because I rent and uh, I would love to have some kind of solar solution. I mean, of course, I pay for community solar, but love to have some solar panels on my house. Do you remember we had a video contributor story from Germany, I think I it was, where this. someone did exactly this. Uh, and they like over a year ago. And they plugged it into their house's grid. And I was like, well, you can do that? <laughs> um, so that, I think this is really exciting. Yeah. Hey, and if you'd like to get solar on your roof, but you don't know how to do it, uh, talk to our friends at Energy Pal. They're the energy experts that'll help you go solar for less. They also know all about batteries. Tell them that Zach and Jesse sent you. And by the way, it's free. All right, it's time for our video contributor stories. Remember to send in your stories. We love them. Send them to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. What do we got this week? got uh, James telling us the difference between kilowatts and kilowatt hours. Thanks Zach and Jesse. I'm James, an engineer from the UK, and I just wanted to create a little video just to explain the difference between kilowatts and kilowatt hours, because I know it trips some people up. Kilowatt hours tell you the amount of energy. This energy could be stored in a battery, giving it the ability to do stuff. Kilowatts describe power, which tells us the rate of transferring energy or how fast we're doing stuff. Let me explain with examples. An empty battery charged at a rate of one kilowatt for one hour will gain a certain amount of stored energy. Not exactly like this, but it gives you the idea. So how much energy is that? Well, one kilowatt for one hour will give us an amount of energy that we choose to call one kilowatt hour. We could charge it faster and for longer, say 30 kilowatts and charging it for two hours instead. Now, 30 kilowatts times two hours is 60 kilowatt hours of energy. So what about using energy? Well, if our 60 kilowatt hours is in a car, and the motors are using the energy at a rate of 15 kilowatts, that'll last for four hours. If the question is about speed or rate, think kilowatts, a rate or flow of energy. If the question is how much, think kilowatt hours, a lump of energy. So, how quickly does a supercharger charge your car? This is power measured in kilowatts, rate of energy transfer. How much can the EV battery hold? This is energy in kilowatt hours. Hope that helps. Thanks, James. 
That's awesome. That was super helpful. All right, it's time for our Patreon bonus stories. Also, we've got two Investor Club bonus stories this week. Um, and we've got stories about all sorts of things, uh, charging in Florida, Aptera, Baidu, and a whole bunch of other things. So head on over to Patreon. You can support us for as little as a buck a month, and you're going to get to see all of our Patreon bonus stories. We'll see you there. All right, we're back from our Patreon bonus stories. It's time for the shout outs. These are people that support us for $5 or more a month. Who do we got, Jess? We've got Dumitru Serbu. Noel and Lucy Murphy. Don DeYoung. Graham Arnold. Istvan Farkas. KG Harder. John Ty Dibble. Captain Ross. Craig Evans. And Michael McGrew. Thank you so much for supporting us. This show doesn't happen without you. And we had a Patreon poll this week. We asked, should Herbert Deese go work for Tesla? What did they say? Uh, most people, 68% thought that he should be Tesla's head of Europe. Yes, he should. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I hope that uh, Tesla makes an offer this summer and we hear about it maybe in the fall. I think that it would just be a good political move, if nothing else, to just be like, oh, you didn't want this guy? All right. We'll take him off your hands. We'll take him off your hands. Uh, I don't know. Screw you, VW. (laughs) All right, it's time for Elon's tweets of the week. And uh, I love this one. Massimo tweeted out the magnitude of difference between 1 million and 1 billion is not that intuitive and could be illustrated with this example of the time scale. A million seconds is 12 days. A billion seconds is 31 years. A trillion seconds is 31,000 years. Elon says, I use this example a lot. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Well, shows you the difference in uh, orders of magnitude. I'm going to use this example a million times. (laughs) This is a tweet from Tanjay. He says the U.S. might have been a leader in 5G had it been easier for one immigrant to stay in the country. And he's talking about a Turkish grad student who went to California Institute of Technology and MIT. His name was Erdal Arakan. He wasn't allowed to stay in the U.S., so he solved the 5G problem for China instead. And Elon said, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this is something that uh, even I've had experience with. Um, I met lots of really intelligent immigrants when I went to college, and it's like... Um, yeah, I think that all of them should stay in this country. Um, It's better than them going working for China, right? And our population is dropping, by the way. SpaceX tweeted out Falcon 9 has completed 31 missions so far this year, delivering about 351 metric tons to orbit. And uh, Elon tweeted out about twice as much useful mass to orbit as the rest of Earth combined. And Sawyer Merritt said news. SpaceX is now launching 10 rockets for every one by its main competitor. Elon said it's a start. About a thousand times more mass to orbit per year will be needed to make life multiplanetary. So he's talking about getting to Mars. Mars. I like it. It's the new (laughs) Mars. It's the new suburb of Boston. We're going to Mars. Ma. (laughs) Tesla owner Silicon Valley says any updates on full self-driving beta 10.13? Yeah, it didn't come out. And Elon says still needs a few tweaks. And they went on to ask, how are you feeling about this update? Elon said should be a major improvement with respect to complex left turns. Yeah, well, we got to see it, Elon, to know. (laughs) Shibatoshi said, if you could upload your brain to the cloud and talk to a virtual version of yourself, would you be buddies? Elon said, already did it. So he's already buddies with himself or he already uploaded himself? Um, I don't know. I don't. It might just be a joke. Okay. Children's Health Defense said Tesla CEO Elon Musk tweeted in response that ESG is a scam considering ExxonMobil is listed in the S&P 500 ESG index top 10. Elon said, total scam. SpaceX tweeted out that NASA has selected Falcon Heavy to launch the Roman Space Telescope, which is designed to study dark energy and dark matter, search for and image exoplanets and more. Liftoff is targeted for no earlier than October of 2026 from Launch Complex 39A in Florida. So another Falcon Heavy launch. Yeah, baby. Woo! 
Tim Urban said, population density thread, because you and I both know you have nothing better to do. Let's start with this cool way to visualize population density by under the radar. The height of each spike displays the population density in that location. Holy crap. <laughs> Elon said, Earth is basically empty of humans. Yeah, but look at India. Well, yes. Wow. And look at China, too. I know. It's look at the middle of this country. Uh, well, and then look at, you know, like Indonesia. Yeah. <laughs> like you can barely see the <laughs> outline of the U.S. Um, then Reuters put out this hit piece this week saying that Tesla investors bet on recovery and fantasy. I mean, yeah, I know the stock price went up, but uh, and then Elon tweeted out, is this the real life? Is this just fantasy caught in a landslide? No escape from reality. reality. Don't sing it. We'll get a copyright strike. All right, Freddie Mercury, we can't <laughs> sing that song. Then, okay, lots of people were tweeting out pictures that somehow got out of Elon having a vacation in Greece. And I just want to say, look, there was a lot of people like talking about his weight and his healthiness. Uh, he did go on to say, in response to Holmar's catalog, uh, to be honest, it's good motivation to work out, eat healthier, and maybe take my shirt off outside more than once a year. Ha ha. So, Look, I think a lot of us who work at home, including myself, I mean, I went to Spain recently and you saw me shirtless. Uh, you know, it's really hard to get the exercise you need. And I don't work anywhere near as hard as Elon does. Right. And the kind of stuff that Elon is working on is not like, oh, hang on, I'll grab that big, Wrench. you know, <laughs> thing of bolts and carry it over right. to you. He's, uh, you know. He's a, an executive. Right. Um, and look, he's rich enough that he could have personal trainers and dietitians. I know, just but, look at Jeff Bezos, right? right? He looks like he could Iron be Man in a or movie something. or right. something. But yeah, I mean, Elon does not have time for that. He has not spent a and, second on himself. And here's the thing. The reason we didn't make a big story about him going to Greece is he deserves a vacation. He deserves to be left alone. I didn't even want to put these pictures in at all. But look, they're already all over Twitter. So leave the guy alone. Let him have a vacation. And let's hope that he does, you know, eat better and stuff. But like, look, I think we all should follow Holmar's catalog that says, uh, if you want to put a picture of Elon out there, you must also post a shirtless picture of yourself. Right. Christian Davenport tweeted out this story about China using reusable rockets. And Elon said, interesting, smart move by China. Expendable rockets have no future. Um, so, so China's following his lead. And he's doing the smart play by appealing to the Chinese populace. Yeah. You notice how he skirted that Always very nicely. does this. Very positive. Massimo says why 536 CE was the worst year to be alive. A mysterious fog plunged Europe, the Middle East, and parts of Asia into darkness day and night for 18 months. Now we know that a cataclysmic volcanic eruption in Iceland spewed ash across the Northern Hemisphere. Elon said, tough times. Major volcanic eruptions are underappreciated as civilizational risks. And do you remember when uh, the Icelandic volcano went off uh, over a decade ago and like there were no flights to Europe for like mm. all the summer? I remember that. I mean, it could be a big deal. And lastly, uh, Elon tweeted out the dark origin of the lemming mass suicide myth. Ironic that Disney could disparage an entire class of rodents when their main character is a rodent. Jealous, maybe. So I'll leave the link here if you want to go read this bizarre story. Yeah, it was like a documentary where they were faking what lemmings do yeah really and that's weird. why we all kind of refer to lemmings that way now yeah weird <laughs> again goes back to the programming of your brain people yeah. uh how much of what you know is you put there knowingly scary all right it's time for community mail time community mail time and remember send your stories into hello at now you know channel.com uh we got kevin who visited the 2022 energy fair and saw the select track e25 tractor which we talk about a lot nice and a 2011 polaris ranger ev i said 2011 yeah they had evs back in 2011 wow i didn't know that mark spotted this audi e-tron gt in Colros, scotland foster sent us this pole star sighting from the portland oregon airport benny sent us these pics of the pole star 2 spotted on interstate 5 south in seattle 
Our new patron, Neil, sent us this picture of a Model Y police car in Aspen, Colorado. He said that the town of Aspen will be changing all their patrol cars to the Model Y in the years to come. I, I like the uh, paint job on I like, it. I love the wrap. That's nice. Yeah. Anne sent us this picture of a bright orange Model S she saw on the I-680 North Freeway in Northern California. David sent us these videos of an R1T he spotted in Denver. Chris sent us these Rivian pictures. I feel like, folks, we're going to have to stop showing Rivians because there's so many of them. Yeah, unless they're like special. Uh, yeah, they're getting not special unless anymore. Unless they're doing stuff. Right. Carrying stuff. Uh, Jonathan sent us these pictures of a supercharger at downtown Flavortown in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, next to Margaritaville. So they, he's rolling out. All right, it's time for supercharger reviews. Let's see what we got for superchargers in the world, folks. Hey, Zach and Jesse. This is Mike here in Scottsdale, Arizona at the new 16-stall supercharger. You got yourself 250 kilowatters. Lots of amenities around here. You can get your dog train. You can head on over across this way and get yourself a massage. Anyway, I give this about a 9 out of 10. Come on down. Now you know. And I do too. Hi, Zach and Jesse. Today we are at the V3 12 stall supercharger in Susmarshausen in Germany. It's on the way between Heidelberg and Munich. We're here at this uh, super futuristic site that's just been finished. There are tons of other chargers for other electric cars other than Tesla. Here we have a test station of 475 kilowatts. Um, our Tesla is charging here and uh, all the facilities are brand new, super clean. There are bathrooms, there is a bakery, there is a coffee shop, so therefore we'd like to give this charger a 10 out of 10. Now you know! Hey Zach and Jesse, I'm at the Trenson Estate, new supercharger V3 and uh, charging here. The new guy's just pulled in or pulling in. Um, it's really good actually. Uh, there's a willow over there which is a nice little cafe restaurant. I'll throw some, some feed up uh, to show you what's inside. You've got a uh, Franklin Bennett's over there where you can grab some food if you're here in the evening and there's even some sort of circus over there I don't know if you can see it in the background but who knows but yeah it's really good really really good I'd give it a, a solid 9 out of 10 the food and the and the drinks were great um, and it's yeah 9 out of 10 for me uh, now you know hello and welcome to a very windy Watertown South Dakota this is a brand new install, eight V3 chargers. This is in the parking lot of a high V that's got a caribou coffee built into it. Just up the hill, there's an Econo Lodge and past that a ways is a Target. Behind me here is a mall that's got a Herburgers and Planet Fitness in it. Looks like a Godfather's Pizza as well. And a Arby's and Burger King right across the way there. All of those would be a little dicey in a cold winter to walk to, but in a beautiful summer day like this, very easy. And obviously Hy-Vee has quite a big deli selection and the coffee shop, like I said, built in. 
I do wish this charger was a little closer to the freeway, but all in all, it's a good spot. And I'd have to give this one an eight out of 10, considering where it is. So that's Watertown, and now you know. Thank you for sending those in. I love seeing them. I love your reviews, and, and I love that people are now, I think, sticking more to the average being a lower number rather than a higher number. I mean, well, after your... Uh... <laughs> After your pretty amazing supercharger last week, I think that that kind of set the record straight of what what a 10 should truly be. It has to have an infinity pool, a <laughs> DJ, and your own chef. Um, all right. But there are new superchargers in the world today, and yeah. maybe some of them are 10s. Maybe. Let's see. Uh, number 38 in the Netherlands is the 24 stall with limited hours at Ritterkirk, Netherlands. Number 46 in Spain is the 8 stall in Algeciras, Spain, which is right near Portugal. Number 49 in Pennsylvania is the 8 stall in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. Number 6 in Arkansas is the 7 stall in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Number 39 in Illinois is the 12 stall in Algonquin, Illinois. Number 135 in Germany is the 20 stall in Saltau, Germany. Number 47 in New Jersey is the 8 stall in Cranberry, southbound New Jersey. And number 25 in Switzerland is the 12 stall at Lugano South, Switzerland. And thank you to Supercharge.info for all the Supercharger information. You should head over there if you want to see all the cool maps. And we made it to the end of the show. I am so excited, Jesse. I mentioned this earlier in the show, but I'm going to be going out to Eugene, Oregon and visiting my buddy Mark out at Arkimoto. Yes. Um, yes, we have driven in the Arkimoto a couple times before, but I'm going to get much more time in it now and uh, going to check out the Mean Lean machine, I think. I'm so jealous. Sorry. So maybe, you know... Um... It's 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 lean. It's small. Maybe you can uh, just pack it, pack it, bring home. it back. You might want to ride it home. I don't know. What do you think? That'd be great. I'd love to ride yeah? it home. Okay. I won't get home in time for the show, but uh, it would fine. be fun. I can cover for you for a couple weeks. It would make a great video. I mean, right? back on the road for six months. There you go. It wouldn't take that long for you to get home. Three thousand miles, going you know twenty-ish miles an hour. Okay. Yeah. I mean, day yeah, and night. It's like Forrest Gump. It's like Forrest Gump. Gump. Okay. <laughs> And look, thank you to our patrons who are going by here. They make this show possible. If you want to join them, head on over to patreon.com. Um, we try to make it as easy as possible to support the show and to get to see more. I mean, for instance, we're going to have a Patreon live stream and our Patreon book club in a couple weeks. So if you want to join us on that, head over to Patreon. It's one of the perks. We love hanging out with you guys on those things. Uh, they're a lot of fun. And we get to know people better. I just There's people that are now in our community who I know by face. Like, I can just be like, hey, Michael, how you doing? Right. You know? Hi, Bill. Um, yeah, I... Uh Hi, I know you're watching. You know, that, it's so nice to have a community like that. Um, I'm, I just feel so lucky uh, that we get to be speaking to you every week and that we get to be, that I get to know so much. Sometimes we're just going through stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for freaking six years in a row. Um, I, you say something to me and I know what you're talking about. That didn't, that was not the case <laughs> like when we first started. Yeah. And it was only possible because we did this show every single week yeah i mean we're a community and we share a lot of information and we all know a lot more together than apart so it's it's just wonderful to be a part of it thank you for being there for us we're going to be there for you we'll see you next week Maddie. now you know say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill